Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, this week we have an esteemed cast of um, people on our panel from the industry talking about this most intriguing and sometimes confusing trend we've seen over the last couple of years uh, called in-housing. There is lots and lots of talk about whether it's going to destroy agency models, chip back agency models, whether their clients are going to build up across their expertise, across data, content, media, all going in-house. Uh, there's a bit of confusion. So we're going to talk to four people today about what's going on. First up is Zara Curtis. She's the Director of Content and Customer Engagement at IAG. Uh, Jen Davidson, Principal at Tumbleturn Media. Justin Ricketts, who's the CEO of Hogarth, a WVP content uh, production company. And of course, Will Lavender is back, uh, Chairman of CX Lavender and a full service agency. Uh, And later on, we'll hear from John Bradshaw um, about a big uh, piece of analysis. So welcome all. Let's get to it. Uh, Zara, you've got a a really interesting story to tell because you've, you've joined IAG what, 18 months ago, and you've built, well, you've looked at this as whole in-housing uh, strategy for IAG, you've built a studio called CoLab, but just run us through what's happened since you joined and what you make of what's going on in this whole in-housing agency mashup. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, we um, when I first joined, we didn't have any content production capability, so I really did have to sit back and look at what we wanted, where we wanted to go, and what the strategy was, and landed on uh, an in-house, out-house model, uh, purely because um, we really felt that we could not attract the talent and keep the talent uh, doing it our own and keep the skill sets up. So we partnered with Chep, uh, one of our lead brand agencies, actually, and they staff it, recruit it, and train um, our co people, which is really fantastic in an insurance company to have the right skill sets at the right level. They've created um, over four and a half thousand pieces of content, you know, ranging ranging across video, uh, long form articles, short form, the whole lot. And so, Sarah, why did you feel you needed to take something in-house? What was the CoLab studio and what was the ratio, the reasoning behind it? At speed. Actually, yeah, it it really came down to that. I guess also brand tone. Uh, When you look at, when we sat back and analysed, we had very small um, little service agencies. We had about 55 of them. So you can end up with wrong logos, wrong tone. So that was a really big thing as well. Um, When you talk about speed, what was the problem there with the partner? It was just simply too many log jams to get fast turnaround on what sort of work? Well, we weren't actually doing anything. So I'm lucky to have built from a ground up model, which I think, you know, then you can create and shape what you actually need. But in a content world, we're, we're needing long-form articles, short-form articles. There's a beast to feed out there in social media, and it's very, very different to above-the-line, big, beautiful, creative work. It's very much below the line. How many? How big is the team? How big is the collab internally? And is it all your people or is it agency people? How does it work? They're all uh, Chet Proximity people uh, funded by them, and we've got 10 and about to grow to 12. So, Justin, you made a, an interesting observation a couple of weeks ago, which is that um, you've noticed that there is a sort of a counter trend going on at the moment around the in-housing thing where, uh, where it's about the outsourcing or outsourcing and outsourcing again from clients on in-housing. What the hell do you mean by that and, and <laughs> what's, under, what's driving it? 
So I think um, what, I, what I meant by that was I think a lot of brands over the last two to three years have had the same pressure that Zara's talking about, um, namely around needing to produce assets faster and more cost efficiently. So there's been this tendency to try and bring that in-house to address the speed and cost issue. But I think um, the problem that these brands have found is almost the same problem that we're finding a lot of traditional agencies have had is that those production offerings are subscale and become somewhat siloed. And and Khan, as Zara said, that it's very hard to attract and retain the best talent. It's very hard to manage the peaks and troughs. And in a world where I think we're increasingly moving to a sort of data-driven, creative and sort of dynamic environment, um, you also need technology. So we're just finding that, um, you know, an individual brand, like an individual agency, cannot meet the needs or the future needs of a brand, the sort of uh, the content needs, and therefore they're needing to outsource um, that talent, albeit via an integrated sort of on-site, off-site, and offshore model. So, so we um, at, at Hogarth, at least, um, have probably got almost with every single client, we have some of our teams operating inside the client to manage the sort of work streams that Zara is talking about. But we then support those on-site teams with sort of near-site, on-site, sorry, off-site um, capabilities. And also um, certain work streams can go, uh, can go offshore in, in a fully integrated and joined-up way. So do you think the, the, the notion a couple of years ago, this altruistic notion that in-housing was going to radically change supply side, the supply side, the agency sector and beyond, is this shifting now, do you think, Joe? Justin? Um, I, I think it depends on the stream of work and, and Will and Jen will have a sort of perspective on I think there are certain things that I think can move fully um, into clients and, and be in-house, there's certain functions. I think when it comes to something like creative production, anything that needs scale, I think it's going to make more sense to bring in a third party. Um, but again, the key is that the third party supplier still needs to consider how they can put certain people on site uh, inside a client. So, Will Lavender, we've talked um, mostly around the creative side, the production side of, of the business or in housing. Uh, you're a full service agency, bar media, I guess, but you've shifted uh, your own model to be quite to lead on the in housing program to probably not dissimilar to what sounds like Chip's doing. What tell us about what your model is and what's changing there, both for you and client side. Our models um, is very different from that. It's not a sort of in-house agency uh, as such. It's a we've completely unbundled um, our service effectively, and then really redistribute talent into the clients' environment. And I think the the way the trend that we're noticing is, is that the clients are wanting to certainly the, our major clients are actually wanting to create a new dynamic in, internally as well. So it's not actually about uh, uh, servicing a need into a marketing department. It's actually putting people into different environments with a view to, as, as Zara was saying, you know, speed to market is probably an, um, an, an, a sort of more efficient way of working is definitely a driver. But I also sense that the, there is this uh, need to stay closer to the customer and there being a different mindset of who, who, who forms the teams. So we're, we're finding um, that the formulation of people, strengthening, you know, so supporting creativity at all times, but um, allowing um, uh, to relax all our processes. We basically drop, you know, processes are not part of our of finding our new ways of working. Right, it's organic. And so, and what sort of positions, what sort of people are you talking about for you, Will, at, at CX? I would say if you, if you, if you un- unbundle the creative product, so it's not like creative teams, it's actually, we, we might have, I think, five different types of designers. 
we have, say, three or four, based on the sort of style of writing, four or five different uh, types of writers that are going in. Planning, again, different planners, but I'd say, that, you know, if we think of storytelling, we think of uh, designing, we think of planning, they're probably sort of pivotal skills, but, you know, they're, they're coming in and out based on the requirements of the client in any given time during the project. I think the sort of the project management side, um, we, we, we look for people with very strong EQ, um, self-starters. EQ, what's that? Uh, well, sorry. Boom. No, no, yeah. emotional, I get it. I was just being trying to be funny, Will, sorry. It's yeah. a cultural thing, right? You're uh, blending different cultures in very big conservative organisations and bringing creativity in. Mm. You, it, it is about the people and how, how they actually... Not um, A lot of people don't like working in two cultures, an agency culture and in clients. So it takes a different, a certain kind of person to do that. Is it about 60% of your business now, Will? Is that is that a number I heard float? Yeah, that, that, that's about right. What are yeah. 60%? 60% represent though? So we're about uh, 85 people at the moment. And 60% of them are inside client so, or inside client organisations? Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, there are certain times when it's actually better to uh, withdraw people back to the agency environment to do certain things, but then they'll float back. So, you know, any one time you can walk into our company and, and, and it, it can feel quite empty, which is a worrying factor, by the way. <laughs> yes, well, it, it would feel empty, but it's actually they're all out there. Yeah. Jen Davidson, there's been lots of talk, um, of course, and probably more talk than than we've than we've heard around the creative side about the programmatic and the media in housing uh, on client side. Lots of international clients, international brands are doing it, and been some interest here in this in the Australian market about doing it. You've been involved in some of those programs, projects, and strategies for 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 brands. What are you seeing from your perspective? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Look, it is, there is a lot of talk around it. It's been a bit of a hot topic for a couple of years now. I think unlike production and creative, the media um, landscape and the relationship is so much more complicated because there's two other key partners in it, and that's the media owners and technology partners. So it's not a straightforward decision to bring it in-house because you do have to factor in how do you keep top of the market that's moving so quickly. And I think that's probably the single biggest issue that clients that have done it have found is that it's hard to stay on top of the market and benchmark yourself against an evolving market. Um, And the second biggest issue is people. It's really hard to find good people full stop, let alone take them out of an agency and put them into a client. And then how do you nurture them and grow their career when they're just one tiny little bit of a massive organisation? Yeah, so what happens? So what do you think it's changing uh, the appetite for brands to want to do this or is it hybrid? What, what, is, what is the result of, of these struggles? I think it, it has been successful for those that have done it, but I think they're staring in, staring down the barrel of seeing that they're going to have a problem with people, seeing that it's hard to keep on top of the market and I think a hybrid type model is inevitable. So where are the lessons, Jen, from some of those that have probably hit some brick walls or hurdles on this? What, are, what, what is the takeouts here? I think the takeout is not staying on top of the market, which is traditionally agency heartland. They understand what's happening in the media marketplace. They understand what's happening with technology. And I think that's been an underestimated component of media agencies. So when they bring it in-house, what a number of clients have found is the way that they do things has to evolve because that's how the market's evolving. And yet they've got the people and approaches that they had when they first brought it in two years ago, but that's sort of redundant now. 
and this time last year as any sort of proxy of measurement is ridiculous because it's moved once that again, quickly. Exactly. Right, and so there's the hybrid model that you talk about. What what is a good example? Not necessarily a, a name, but what does it look like? What does a hybrid model look like? I think it's similar to what Zara's talking about and what Will's talking about. It's having agency expertise or at least external expertise coming into benchmark or to provide guidance or train and develop. It's it's recognising that the complex nature of media requires externals to come in to help. And if you have a look at that, the media owners are doing such extraordinary things in data and technology. O-Media as the sponsors of this show and what they're doing with data is extraordinary. It's really hard for clients to keep on top of that whole market that's moving without having someone come in and really help them because it's just, it's too big a job. So, uh, Zara, you mentioned before that is one of your challenges is the people um, and I guess it's bearing that out. Is, is, is this, is the, what is it about the agency approach where they're running it for you or they're hiring the people and putting them in? What is it that allows them to do something you can't do internally? Well, we've got the scale of Clemenger Group and recruitment behind us. And I think that's the biggest thing. Also, overflow. We talked about the peaks and troughs. Like the studio can be absolutely cranking, uh, servicing marketing and all of IAG, or they can be dead. So, you know, we really have to adapt to that. And imagine as a client going out and finding three more copywriters with 24 hours notice. It's just a nightmare. So it's really helpful around uh, talent training is probably the other thing. To Jen's point, keeping everyone on top of the latest technologies and trends and everything is, is really difficult yeah. and it benefits there. You talked, Zara, about saving some costs in this initiative, but what you're doing with the costs is reinvesting. Talk through, talk through that. You have got you have got some costs out. You've got speed and you've got cost savings, efficiencies. Yeah, uh, look, uh, we see it more as an investment, to be honest. I mean, to set up these studios isn't cheap and it's not something you do lightly. By the time you get your data cabling and, you know, get the Mac, big Mac screens and everything there, you've invested a lot of costs. So there's efficiencies. I wouldn't necessarily say we're seeing savings yet, but our, our um, biggest thing, is really anything that we do say must go back into our big brand work and our big agency partners. That's absolutely mandatory. While you might be doing reversioning that agencies have done in the past, but I think clients have to be very clear with their agencies about what the internal team do and do not do. And I think we've set that up really nicely in that they work with them and they're very happy to hand up versioning because they know they're getting more money in their big brands. So the, the, the content that you're churning out now, you said you know there's a lot of it by the sounds of it. Were you not doing that volume before you, you launched CoLab or have you, you ramped it up? Is it a higher quality? What, what, what is actually the outputs that's changed as a result of this? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So because we service all of IAG, I think what we've actually been able to do is raise our internal uh, content communications. You know, when you're running these massive companies um, with 10,000 staff plus, you really have to have a way to communicate with them and staff aren't just going to accept a newsletter anymore. So there's a lot of that kind of work. Uh, long form for SEO is a big thing, lots of copywriting, and then probably more digital design for banners and media is really where they're spending their time. Will, the people factor, you struggle as well, I guess, in trying to find the right people or you're a, you're a haven, a magnet for, for, for talent. I, I probably should rephrase it. But that, that people argument is it's a struggle for everyone, right? So I guess uh, is there a way through this at all? What, how do you see, what do you see happening? I think, I think you know, as part of running an agency, finding talent, uh, to fit demand is a continual battle. It always has been a continual battle, keeping the quality, finding the quality, motivating them, developing them. So uh, we went into this thinking 
literally, as you you look at the the, the maths of in housing, and you you think to yourself, well, we're not going to have people. You know, the more successful we are, the the place is going to be empty. We're just going to have, and we're continually going to be able to strug- uh, be struggling when we need to do a project in house because people are going to be out somewhere else all the time. As it's happened, yeah, we do we do find problems, but you know, you move people back. Some people want to come back. And yeah, we, we seem to be making it work and the clients are, are all happy. I think the sort of the satisfaction scores that our clients are giving us are higher from those with in-housing teams. So that seems to, you know, that, that helps to motivate people. Um, I think when they feel they're doing a good job and they're valued, then that does sort of keep them motivated. Every Friday we bring people back. So if people are on long-term contracts, we, you know, they're, they're always sort of brought back at the key times, which I think is really important. But the, point, the other point I just wanted to add is that um, the types of work that our people are doing isn't just creative now. Um, they find themselves in business decisions. They're planning the work. They're cancelling work. They're refining I think to get the speed to market, you know, you, sometimes you might notice that clients doing three things and they're essentially the same in different places and you end up sort of bringing things together. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more than just producing creative now. Yeah, and Justin, I just want to ask, what is the difference between what we're talking about here versus the, the sort of units that are specialist units that have been set up by holding companies to service specific brands, whether, you know, I can think of all manner of them from, you know, from Westpac and Media to Vodafone have done some stuff to, every, there's, there's a lot of these dedicated holding company service units and they've been around for a while. What What is the difference with the, those structures with what you're seeing happening now and then I'll get to the people thing with you in a sec too. Um, I think what the holding companies have been trying to do with their team models is give clients access to the breadth and depth of capabilities sitting within that whole com- company in a simplified, more integrated fashion. So, so for me, that's just about giving them access to the right talent within the holding company in a more efficient manner. Um, I don't think necessarily I've seen, um, certainly in this market, many of those team models necessarily addressing the and the need or demand from clients to have some of those resources in-house. But I think that's a trend that we're going to see. Right. Um, so very, very different. Um, what one sort of build or sort of point I've learned from this is one of the downsides of having people on site with a client is they often get abused. I don't know if Zara finds that. but Zara soon, wouldn't do that. Would you, <laughs> would you? Never. No, uh, no. Or not necessarily from, it wouldn't be from Zara, it would be from the, the divisions or sort of um, stakeholders that she's become the PowerPoint department. Um, right, right. So I think by having a... So uh, from a, different operating units, the business units. The business mean. units. So right. when you're in, so we've, we've um, recently, I can't tell you the client, but we've just sort of, um, we've on. literally taken um, a in-house studio and moved it off-site. And, and probably seen a 40 to 60% um, increase in sort of efficiency because they haven't got people leaning over their shoulders asking them, you know, scope crease, uh, increases and um, whatever else. So, so there's a sort of a, I think it can become a very bad habit when you've got people sitting there because they're seen as an in-house internal sort of free resource. Whereas if you've got a third-party relationship, there's a, there's a transaction involved and I think it creates better discipline. Well, it's a fascinating point. Um, Zara, what do you make of that? Oh, look, I did have a no PowerPoint decks will be done from the studio. I think there's a bit of scope creep there already. But we um, notionally to to stop that, uh, what you call abuse, is actually charge $100 per hour 
internally just so there's some recognition of a transaction. Right. And I think that's really helped. But absolutely, I, I completely agree. Scope creep and shorter and shorter turnarounds. And a lot of people don't know how to brief. So we, I spend a lot of time fending off the studio and really looking after them to make sure that they get the right brief to do the right work. Um, Jen, that sort of notion in on the media side, does that sound uh, a bit different for media or is it similar? It's a bit different for media because it's such a unique skill set and it's such a unique sort of area that, in any, if anything, they're stuck in isolation with no one to talk to. Right. Like, like there's no one, not, no, no one's even abusing them. No one's even abusing them <laughs> <Right>. or them. <laughs> yes. What do you think of the people issue, though? Because um, that, that's probably more the same. What happens on the media side? Oh, it's, it is a huge issue because it's just attracting the right type of people. And you need not just someone who might be good as a trader. They need to be able to be a self-starter, a go-getter who can go out and keep on top of trends, keep on top of, like do, do a lot of the traditional agency functions. And that's, that's not that easy. Mm. Will, are you seeing the things that, that Justin's seen or, or not quite? Um, I, th- I think, I mean, every, every client, every situation's different and I can appreciate how that would be. But frankly, no, not in the same way. I feel that, um, you know, the, the relationship that we've noticed is, is that it moves from a partnership more to being a colleague. And I think if you are, I'm envisaging a situation where if uh, you've got a sort of a, you know in-house team or person sitting there waiting to be briefed on something, that's not the model that we're working with. We're working in a situation where you're going into sort of agile teams, working with groups, and when you're not working, you might be sort of skiving off, going home early, or you'll be back at the agency. Right. So um, I, we we don't find that sort of problem. We don't find a problem with processes we actually sort of let go processes as i said earlier but what we do is we are sort of rigorous about our qa so all of the sort of important qa process that we use to sort of get work through accurately and efficiently we're sort of rigorous with and we bring that into the that's one of the things we bring into the client environment or merge that with the clients I think process. i think one of the uh, there's a slight crossover here but one of the differences is i think if you run with an analogy of sort of architects and builders. Mm. I think um, Will's got a lot of architects mm. that, are, that, that are rightly integrated into the client side. I think um, where we're coming, we're, we're the manufacturers mm. and the builders, mm. um, where I think you, having those sort of people inside um, are the people that get abused. I think if you've got architects and thinkers in there, then I actually think they're fully integrated. And they might be able to hold their own a little bit, do you think? <laughs> yes. Um, so, okay, so to wrap up... And also up, you need tools. You need different tools, don't you, yes. that you won't yep. necessarily have available on-site. So that would be a place where you go off-site for the things that you that are yeah, important yeah. So, to so the development. In yeah. the case of... Um, you know, yeah, if you've got high-end video production, post-production mm. capabilities, having building that capability inside a client doesn't make a huge amount of sense. So that's the sort of stuff that you'd often have off-site or offshore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's calibrating what resources sit with. Yeah, we find that. Right, so to get the uh, crystal ball going for the next 12 to 18 months, Zara, I'll start with you. What What is your intent next, or how do you see both this in-housing, outsourcing, hybrid stuff working for you, and what do you see for the market as well, for other brands, and some lessons that they should be across based on what you've you've seen already? 
I think they've got to really always come back to this strategy um, when you're doing this. It's not, a, it's, as I said before, it's not a, a light thing. You don't go into it lightly. It's not easy either to, to set up, to resource, to fund and to maintain. For us, um, we're very committed to it because we're seeing the benefits. So, like I said, servicing the marketing department, but also servicing broader IAG and just the level and quality control that we have. We've got very big brands. So that quality control is probably the biggest benefit that I see. We're going to stick with it. Um, we're hiring, like I said, two more people, digital designers, um, again, rare talent, hard to get, but really important to have in-house as, as that market. Um, and Jen said media moves so quickly. To try to turn that around in a day is really critical. What is your thinking around media, for instance? I mean, it's not necessarily your remit, is it? Is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Take it uh, back. Part, so, partly. So well, I have um, media then, Sarah. I have search and programmatic sitting um, underneath me. So we do a hybrid model. Very, very reliant on our big agencies. And I and I hear what Jen says. It's really hard to keep the internal teams motivated, talented, and across everything. So it's very much hybrid at the moment. Okay, uh, Will. How, where do you see the next twelve to eighteen months? Uh, client and the client mindset for you. We see. Um, we need, we, you know, we, we're, we're going to be uh, protecting creativity. That's a, a really important thing that we, we see going forward. I think that proving the... Just on that, though, you're protecting creativity because it's, there's a danger of it getting diluted because of how processes and teams are working, or is it just just a, a positioning that you, you're passionate about? No, I think, I just say, I think there's, a, there's a risk at all times. You know, people, you know, if, if, if you're working off-site... You know, you may get more freedom, which is good. But then, you know, things. Some, you know, making sure that the senior management can, or the senior leaders are actually in touch with the work, and, and making sure that they, you know, they're keeping on, keeping it, keeping it in the right direction, keeping the brand direction going, or pushing it, and and, and not letting it sort of get soft. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, to wrap up, will client mindsets uh, and some key thoughts from you, if you've got any more. Um, I think the I think a key insight is that. You've, you've got to actually uh, push for greater accountability, greater measurability, and then um, and so what I'm talking about is really good business reporting and proving and justifying what you know, the value that you're creating. Um, I think you know the market it, it's it's a soft environment in in a way in that we we don't have enough focus on the measurement of work. And I think that this is a great opportunity to sort of, in a more agile environment, to prove what's working, what's not, and prove that value to the client. Justin Ricketts, your your future gazing predictions? Um, I think um, every brand's going to need to create more content and, and, and better content. Um, I think they're going to struggle to do that if they keep going the same way um, and rely on traditional sort of content models. So they need to decouple, they need to consolidate, and they need to partner up um, with a sort of an integrated on-site, off-site, offshore model. Traditional models you're talking about either internally or agency, traditional agency? Um... Yeah, traditional agency um, studios, I think traditional production companies, they've all become siloed and um, subscale. So bring them all together. Um, I think think about and approach production more strategically. Production needs to come upstream alongside creative um, if um, brands need to create better content, I guess, faster 
and smarter. So I'll come to you in a sec, but, but, but this this whole focus on um, more content and and more cut through content, there is a race here. I mean, if everyone's lifting their standards, there's going to be a race for attention and to get people engaged. Zara, that's a, a fascinating one, really. Yeah, huge. You'd think with a title like director of content, I'd be wanting to encourage more production, but it's actually quite the opposite. You really have to know what to create when. You know, I always say, right content, right platform. So, mm. and look, we don't. Our studio doesn't do everything. We work with Storyation when we want high quality journalistic um, content. That's not what copywriters in an internal studio do. So I think you just really have to know it, it's basics, right? It comes back to who's your audience, what are you trying to do, who's the right partner to do it with. Jen Davidson Media, a, some muddy waters about what's going to happen. Yeah, I think so. I think, it, look, it's not going to be straightforward. I think it will we'll probably move towards more of a hybrid type model and there'll be different variations of that. And I also think there's going to be a lot more direct relationships with media media owners and publishers. But with with brand owners, you mean? Yeah. With marketers? Yeah. Right. Why is that? Because of the capability and what we're seeing from what media owners, how quickly they're progressing and particularly in the data front, it's really quite impressive. So I think from a data perspective, there'll be a lot more direct deals with media, between media and client. And then agencies will also have a key role, but more of a benchmarking training um, perspective, helping clients sort of benchmark success and stay on top of the market. So do you think that horrifying notion a couple of years ago about agencies, media agencies really copying it and a lot of it going um, by the by in, inside client side, that's not going to eventuate then? I don't Certainly think not so. this market. It, it, some, some of it's happening in the US though. I don't think it will and I think also those that have done it have really recognised the value of media agencies and their contribution, particularly when it comes to keeping on top of the market and technology. Yeah. Well, fascinating stuff. I think we'll, um, like we normally say, there's a round two on this, but um, thank you all for joining. Uh, We're about to have John Bradshaw with some uh, analysis. Um, We'll talk next time. Thank you. So what do you make of that conversation, John Bradshaw? There is all manner of theories out there and some practice as well, but is, is, is anything changing? Uh, I think some things are changing, but it's probably worth focusing on what hasn't changed since the 1950s, 1960s in this conversation. What clients are still looking for, I think, is people with a real specialist talent and skill, whether that's creative or kind of media understanding. They're looking for big technology or infrastructure platforms that they don't want to invest in themselves, whether that's programmatic buying or creative production. And most importantly, and the reason why this thing was always outhoused in the first place, if that's not an unfortunate... Sourced, outsourced maybe. Outsourced rather than outhoused. Outhoused is a different thing altogether. Um, It's this notion of managing the peaks and troughs and the fact that they don't want a full-time head, full-time, that they want to be able to kind of turn it on and turn it off. Those things still exist. And that's clearly why the smart people around this table are still using agencies to kind of source and find that talent. What has changed is clearly the pace that clients, certain clients anyway, want to work at and the volume of work they want to do, which is meaning that bringing the people closer together is, um, has become physically necessary as well as kind of emotionally necessary. And I think the agencies that are riding that wave are smart. They're just building client-customer intimacy into their model and going, sure, there are some advantages to having all of our people in our agency from a culture perspective, but if it's not what the client wants, we you know we exist to serve the client. Um, what's also really clear is that 
the real challenge in all of this is people and culture. Mm. No, right. There's nothing new there, right? It's No, nothing new there at all. And another reason why agencies existed and have existed, you know, since advertising was a thing, which is certain types of people don't want to work in large corporate process-driven structured environments and they want something a bit more fluid and that, that tension is kind of clear in this conversation about how do we continue to foster a creative culture with people who want to be creative for a living but also meet the demands of clients and in that is the essence of everything we've talked about in the last nine months which is how do we make sure creativity is the servant of the client outcome not the kind of master of the relationship and these people are working through that puzzle I think it's Fascinating. Well, it's it's also equally it, it holds for media. Hearing from Jen Davidson on on the media side, and, and it, you could call that creativity as well. I guess it's the inputs and how you think and, and how you plan. But it's just not on the on the on the uh, messaging and the creative production stuff. It's also media. Well, and I think that's the thing. And Jen's seeing it too that we're really not yet challenging as an industry, which is people are still seeing the world in this decoupled way. I need to solve my media problem over here and I need to solve my advertising and creative and production problem over here. And, and the sooner we start to put that toothpaste back in the tube, the more effective the work is going to be. It's almost impossible nowadays to separate the media decisions, where is the advertising going to go, from the creative decision, which is how is the advertising going to come to life. And yet Jen's rightly going, it's really difficult to see the way forward for this kind of faster-paced, higher-volume, in-housing model. Uh, Zara's saying she's still massively reliant on her kind of big agencies for kind of media thinking. And it comes from that legacy splitting of media and creative, which, from an effectiveness perspective, is the worst thing the industry ever did to itself. And we have to find solutions of putting those things back together, whether that's clients becoming specialists and strategic creative and media architects or agencies finding ways of putting those things back together in an holistic way but i am not as yet seeing it in the trad agency models or in these in-housing models and for me that hopefully is the next step whether that's in-housed hybrid or outhoused but this seamless reintegration of communications thinking with creative thinking is the only way I can see that we'll start to get back to thinking about advertising effectiveness. Well, good thoughts, John Bradshaw, and I, and, and I guess it's certainly what's clear is that the in-housing, outsourcing mashup is not quite as high drama as what was being talked about a couple of years ago. It's settling down a bit and it's sort of finding its feet and it's not quite kind of so binary as um, um, total destruction, at least for the agency side. Um, thanks thanks for joining us, John. Uh, you can get more of a great copy and trends, themes on what's going on in the world of marketing, media agencies and tech at mi-3.com.au. We'll talk to you next week. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Jennifer Goggin. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button to get a free notification every time we release a new episode.